At high noon, normally we do You Just Made the List. We'll actually move, bump that back just a little bit. Lorenzo Neal. Low Neal. Bills and Titans this weekend here in Nashville. He was kind of a, a part of that, you know, that miracle play. He's here in the building. He's doing his show in San Francisco. Yep. In fact, right next door. He's going to, when he's done, come in here and hang out with us to kick off the third hour. So we're going to move You Just Made the List to more like 1230, and we're going to go down memory lane with Low Neal, who's always fun to talk to. Great, great guy. Quite honestly, it's just like the kickers and punters. If you're going to have a position, you're going to pay it fullback, and this is just my opinion. You guys don't have to say a word one way or the other. He's a Hall of Fame fullback. I'm sorry. Just go look at the guys he blocked for and look at all the success that they had and how long he did what he did. But I know they don't put fullbacks in, but that's just my opinion. Richard Deitch. From the athletic is on the line with us, Richard. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, I guess you're doing uh, better than some of uh, probably a lot of people you know at the place you spend a lot of time at at Sports Illustrated. Uh, it's pretty sad to see all the stuff being tweeted out over the last 24 hours. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I don't even know where to begin to be honest with you guys with this. It's you know, it's incredibly depressing to see so many former colleagues and so many people I have great respect for, um, you know, sort of put out there that they have lost their job. It's not surprising in that once, um, this is sort of inside baseball, but like once Sports Illustrated, which was part of Time Inc. for a long time, once Time Inc. sold its publications, people, Time, SI, to Meredith, and don't get me wrong, Time Inc. had many, many problems, horrible management. I mean, things weren't going really well then either. But once that decision was made, the die was kind of cast. Because once you put it in the hands of an owner that didn't want the magazine, and Meredith had no interest in Sports Illustrated, it wanted People Magazine and, and the Lifestyle Magazine, then you have no idea where your brand or your magazine is going to end up. And Meredith ultimately sold Sports Illustrated to bunch of uh, brand marketers who wanted the name. They didn't necessarily want the journalism. And then that brand marketing group, Authentic Brands, licensed it out to this group, The Maven. So now you're two sort of businesses removed from where you initially had been for, you know, 50-plus years. The Maven is a group that, at least from what I've seen, cares little about editorial journalism. They just essentially want to do things on the cheap, their content mill. And so what do you do? You know, what, what, what do all these companies do? They get rid of higher-priced, experienced people, and they're going to bring in a lot of very, very young people, pay them very cheap, drape the Sports Illustrated banner on it, and try to sell Sports Illustrated as a watered-down product. So it's very personal, and quite frankly, it's incredibly disgusting what uh, the Maven has done. I realize, you know, it's corporate America, and this business is business, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they... they how do I say it? I mean, Sports Illustrated was in trouble for a long time, including when I was there. But yesterday was the end. The magazine, I'm sorry, the magazine. Sports Illustrated will continue, and people will continue to do good work. But yesterday was the end. That is the end, of, at least from my vantage point, of Sports Illustrated. And it was a towering, important, um, you know, sort of magazine and brand for 50-plus years. It didn't have to die, and it wouldn't have died had it gone to a better steward. But... The one thing I learned working there for 19, 20 years is that um, 
you think you have so much control, and this is for all of us in the media, over what you do, and you think like if you put out great work, you work your ass off and put good content out, um, it's enough. But it's not enough. At the end of the day, the people who control stuff are the people with the power, people with money, and they ultimately determine your fortune. And it's a bit of a leap of faith. You're hoping that the people in those offices um, believe in what you do. And that's, I think, what really bothers me the most is that there were a lot of people at Sports Illustrated on based on merit. They did great work, and they were still fired or still laid off. And so it just sucks. Uh, I'm not saying everybody's got to feel sorry for them. I know coal miners and workers and people lose their job every day, but um, it, it sucks to see people who were good at something still lose their job. It wasn't based on merit. It was based on something else. So I appreciate you bringing it up, but um, – it was a pretty crappy day. Yeah. And it will continue to be a crappy day heading forward. Amen, brother. I look, I if people people that listen to the show know that uh, we've had these discussions. I have said if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. It doesn't matter how good you think this show is or what you think of us, if you don't have the backing and you don't have the people above you, the decision makers in your corner and doing the right thing. It doesn't matter. It's all for not. You cannot succeed. It doesn't matter. And pick any form. It's not. I was just talking because we're in radio, and you, you know, you're for whatever you do. If you don't have the people above you doing things the right way and in your corner and and helping you, you got no chance. And it's no different in yeah. sports. It's that's life. Yeah, it's well said. And the the thing too. I mean, like this is sort of just the the realities of modern day uh, media. Um, you have to have people buy your product now. You know, the one thing about the athletic, and it was, and it was one of the reasons I decided to sort of make the leap. And you know, and the athletics had a nice run. By no means is it, you know, is it guaranteed to be around five, ten, fifteen years from now. But the one thing I fundamentally believed is that you have to convince people, or at least make the pitch to people, to pay for good content. You know, to pay for like quality stuff, um, and because that's, I think, too often. Um, and this is a major, major fault of the media and the sports media. A lot of people grew up just thinking all this stuff is free. You know, I can go online and I can read this stuff and it doesn't cost me anything. Well, the reality is it costs a lot of money somewhere to, like, to go to that game or to report on that uh, team or, you know, in radio's case, to, like, call that game or to, you know, to, to, to prep and research for that game. Like, this stuff costs money. And people have to pay for it. And for too long, um, too many media companies were just giving away some of the most sort of valuable commodity in the world, which is information. And, you know, that's sort of what I liked about The Athletic is that, you know, whether it was going to succeed or not, it was at least going to make the pitch that we're going to provide you an incredible product, but we're going to charge you for that product. We we have to support ourselves via revenue. Um, and for a long time, especially Sports Illustrated, which was top of the line in terms of content, was giving away so much stuff uh, online for, for free. And, um, and again, it just sort of goes back, you know, I, sort of, I, know real, I realize I'm rambling, but it's just been a pretty emotional couple of days. You, you are correct. Management at the end, like you have to, especially in these creative kind of fields, you have to have management that believes in your product that supports you, that has your back during tough times and, uh, and isn't really just out for a buck. And without that, in, especially in media companies, you're, um, you know, you're cooked. And I feel awful for SNI now because one of the people running it 
was the former publisher at the LA Times. And if you just Google the guy's name and stuff, the LA Times basically in a newsroom revolt uh, essentially got him to resign because he was trying to do the same blueprint, which is to fire experienced reporters with years of experience who make a lot of money and replace them on the cheap for people uh, who don't make a lot of money. That's without a concern at all for the the, the quality of the product. And that's what's going to happen at SI. Um, there are still great people there. Um, but unfortunately, I've seen this movie before. Over the next couple months and years, they will get rid of the higher salaried people who have a lot of years' experience, and they will replace them with 20-somethings. They will not give them insurance. They will pay them very, very cheap. They will slap Sports Illustrated's name on it, and they will try to trick people into thinking that this is Sports Illustrated quality work when it is not. And that's how this game gets played. Eventually, those guys will cash out, and that's how you destroy a brand. Sorry to get this off on a somber tone, but I just knew that you were you were the right guy to be equipped to discuss this. I mean, I, honestly, I knew you were there a long time. I didn't know it was almost two decades. Nineteen uh, years. It was my uh, that was my dream job. You know, when I was a kid, um, the uh, my parents divorced when I was one. Uh, it's probably my fault. Now that I think about it, they divorced when I was one, huh? So, um, <laughs> wow. in that sense, yeah, not true. I, my mom's a shrink. I could do this all day. So the. Um, <laughs> So one of the, but one of the like one of the early gifts I remember her giving me was a subscription to Sports Illustrated. It must have been like nine or ten. And so like you know I just re- and this again you know like like uh, you know early eighties or whatever. Like this is when Sports Illustrated was in its heyday, and like you would read this stuff. There was no internet. There was no like you can get everything sort of in a second. And I was like I just was mesmerized by like these people like writing these profiles of these famous athletes and going to these amazing games and writing this stuff. And so like I fell in love with that magazine. And, and my, that was my dream to work there. I never in a million years thought I would ever do it. You know, you'd, like the names of the people who worked there, like Frank DeFord and, uh, you know, like these sort of – Bill Knack, like these sort of just giant legends, Dan Jenkins, you know, Rick Riley. I, I didn't think that was going to be me. And then I just ended up getting incredibly lucky. I ended up getting an internship at Sports Illustrated for Kids right out of grad school. Um, I decided that I was just going to essentially work my ass off. Uh, I was probably putting like 17-hour days there. I just decided in those three months I was going to make myself so invaluable to at least give myself a shot. SI for Kids ended up hiring me full-time as a reporter, and that was the ticket into the kingdom because all of my editors at Sports Illustrated for Kids had previously worked at Sports Illustrated. They had sort of been reporters there, and then as they got a little bit older and they had families of their own, they went into editorial or edit positions at Sports Illustrated for Kids. So once I was in there, I had so many contacts. One year after working for SI for Kids, I interviewed at SI. They hired me, and I think I was like 24 or 25 years old, and I was a reporter at Sports Illustrated working uh, on the tennis beat um, and the Olympic beat. I mean, it was incredible, you know, just to be like 25 years old. I I was in the locker room right before Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras would go out to play, you know, a mega match at the U.S. Open. It was was like I couldn't even believe, like, that I, I was, one, in that situation, and two, like, had like a badge that said, Sports Illustrated. So, like, I got, I was lucky. I got to live my dream and work at the place that I always wanted to work at as a kid. Um, but then, as the years went on, and especially the last couple of years with some really horrific management uh, at the corporate level, I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. So it was hard. That the hardest decision, professional decision in my life, was to leave Sports Illustrated for the Athletic, and I went back and forth, and it took me months to decide. I almost lost, I think, the Athletic offer because I was taking too long. Um, but it was excruciatingly hard uh, to make that decision. So I, I have 
I feel for all my colleagues today, or ex-colleagues today at Sports Illustrated, because um, they're romantics. They believe in what that product was, even if it, even if they weren't working at the place that they romanticized working at. So I, 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 I understand the emotions of all those guys today. Richard Deitch is with us. He writes the media circus for The Athletic. Long time, as he just referenced, uh, writer had that same type of column for Sports Illustrated. Richard, let's let's talk about what you have in one of your columns with the hockey season starting here. Predators just had their first game last night, but you polled a lot of writers about ideas for enhancing television broadcasts, which obviously I was very interested in. And you, you had a, a wide array of ideas, and some would contradict ideas from somebody else. Some people want more of this, other people that want less of this. But what what were the one or two ideas that you thought were, were most interesting and most, uh, you know, realistic that actually could move the needle? Yeah, first of all, I appreciate you referencing that. That was a fun piece to do because the athletics really got a lot of good hockey writers. I mean, some crazy talented people there. And so um, their ideas to improve the product were really, really interesting. Uh, here's a small one, first and foremost, that a lot of them mentioned. A shot, NBC should have a shot clock literally on every national game. I know regional broadcasts do. Uh, that's a small change, and they should have that. All the Canadian broadcasters do. It really helps you just get a quick sense, one, of sort of who's dominating play, who's not. But then a lot of the discussions were about having a rules analyst, uh, like the NFL does, to explain uh, controversial plays um, and you know, sort of educating people more. There was talk about um, giving more time after goals so that the television broadcast can explain uh, in a quick replay. There were um, suggestions uh, about, and this really, I think, probably really improved the sort of the X's and O's analysis of the game or the, the, you know, the data, sabermetrics and analytics, however you want to put it. Um, I think the hockey fan is still way, way behind in like advanced um, statistics compared to baseball and some other sports. And a lot of the writers suggested that that could really be an interesting way to educate the viewer. Um, and I, you know, I happen to agree with that. But um, the suggestions were really interesting. Uh, you know, the one thing about hockey, and I think all of us agree, it's a great sport. And in the, and, and, and well, you totally agree with this. I'm sure because you're there a lot. The experience in arena is awesome. It's really one of the best, if not the best, sporting events to watch in person. The problem is because of technology still, even though it's gotten a lot better, it's still sometimes difficult to see the puck um, on television. It's, it's difficult to follow. It's, it's a small puck, big, big dudes, and it's fast. So what, what, what I'm hoping for, at least with that sport, is as technology gets greater, as we go from like 4K to 8K in terms of resolution – the, sport, the television experience uh, will get better. But there are things I feel like uh, NBC in particular can do um, almost immediately to help the broadcast. And then there are others who are like, you know, less negativity on the broadcast. That's probably shots at Mike Mulberry and Jeremy <laughs> Roenick. But that's all subjective stuff. But um, I, think, I think the sport, the good thing about hockey is I think the sport has a lot of room to grow and improve as a television product. I think there's still a lot of steps that they can take to, um, to enhance the product uh, and try to get it as close to the in-arena experience, which for anybody who's ever gone to a hockey game is just awesome. Richard Deitch is with us. And uh, speaking of big TV deals, tonight is the night WWE debuts on Fox after the reported $1 billion deal 
uh, between the two entities. So I'm curious of your thoughts on this because they're bringing the rock back. They're, you know, they're rolling out the red carpet to bring some of their big stars of the present and the past for the debut show. Is this, is this going to work? Is this whole, you know, trying to make wrestling a legitimate sport while or present it that way, like Fox is wanting to do, is that going to work? All right, well, first, before I even answer that question, my favorite thing about all of this, and I am a wrestling fan, is seeing the Fox Sports personalities who once hated wrestling embrace wrestling as <laughs> if it's their, like, you know, wife and kids. It is seriously the greatest thing I've seen. Colin Coward in particular, that, that, that dude, like, falling in love with wrestling over the last week has been fantastic theater to me. In terms of... Uh, Hasn't he always called terms- wrestling fans like booger eaters yep. and stuff like yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And, yeah, right. And now the, now the guy's chamber of commerce for wrestling going to hug Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, I, it will work. I mean, the reason it's going to work is no, no matter what, like it's going from um, USA, a cable channel, to Fox, a network over the air channel. So if nothing else, the marketing and promotion and reach is going to extend. Fox is going to do pretty good viewership, certainly great viewership tonight, given all the sort of famous people who are there. And then... After that, the, the, you know, having talked to Fox executives about this, the WWE is still controlling content, still controlling storylines, still controlling who's going to appear. Just the main difference is it's now appearing on Fox, and you get the, bat- the benefits of the Fox kind of marketing machine. So on Sunday, and we've already seen this, and during NFL games, you're going to see WWE promotion. Saturday, during Big Ten games, Big 12 games, WWE promotion. During the World Series, you're going to see WWE promotion. So I, I think... You know, I, I can't say, like, it, it's hard to know, like, if fans are going to like SmackDown, because I feel like that's all about storyline. You know, you either like a Becky Lynch type or you don't. But in terms of, like, will it be successful in terms of sort of getting the word out, I think it'll absolutely be successful. Uh, the WWE, as big a marketing machine as it's had, it's never been on a network. It's only been on, you know, the USAs and the CWs and and places like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a big success in that. And then my last one, this will be for the hardcore wrestling fans in your audience. I think what's going to be clear is SmackDown is going to become the WWE sort of main show where Raw and USA Network used to be. I think, I think they're going to sort of shift that show to become the big show because it's on network versus USA. But um, Fox has rolled the dice on wrestling and and they've invested a lot of money. So you trust me, you know, you're probably going to see uh, at one point, you know. Joe, Joe Buck climbed to the top of the uh, booth, <laughs> oh, fly down, boy. and, and uh, you know, give, uh, give Troy Aikman a stinger splash or something like that. I would love that. Mm. There's, so, probably, so would I, there's probably some media members that we would all vote to have them throw in, thrown into the ring and get beat up a little bit. Milbury's oh one God, you already just, mentioned. Yeah, Milbury would be top me. of the list. Yeah, I have a I have a, I got a long list that I would love to see the Undertaker <laughs> do some damage to. Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks for the forum, guys. See you. All right, Richard Deitch from the Athletic spent almost two decades at Sports Illustrated. They laid off twenty five percent of their staff yesterday. Sad, sad day, and you could tell in Richard's voice. We'll come back more of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side. ESPN one hundred two five. The game.